Alibaba, like many Chinese stocks, seem to be facing big, big problems with Alibaba stock down 11% today. Investors are wondering what is going on. Part of it has to do with Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi excited about her Asia trip, but might be going to Taiwan, which is a big red line for China saying, look, we view that as part of our country. If you view it sort of supporting this idea of Taiwanese independence, it does create a challenge with U.S.-China relations. I look at this and no matter what your views are with Taiwanese independence, I look at this and think, what's the upside for U.S. citizens? Why is Nancy Pelosi doing this? Because I'm thinking from like a trading perspective, if you were to think of everything as upside downside, what's the upside to her constituency? You know, looking at Nancy Pelosi, her effectively the, her voters, what's the upside for them for her to go to Taiwan and potentially, you know, spark a war or, you know, there is some sort of, you know, reaction that China does. Maybe they divert her plane and maybe the U.S. says, you know what, we're not happy with your reaction. So we're going to slap on more tariffs. We're going to do some taxes or or there's a hot war. So looking at that, I'm thinking, how is this helping really any U.S. citizen? I don't quite see it. If you have a perspective, I definitely want to understand in the comments. But I think with already high inflation with the U.S., potentially creating even more friction with China, which is arguably the number one trading partner with most countries in the world, creating more frictions with China will only increase the inflation rate. So I don't really see how this helps the average U.S. voter looking at this. Um, and I think it's all downside potential. Another key reason why Alibaba stock down is they increased news around the delisting, which once they filed their annual filing, you know, they have sort of gotten this notice from the SEC saying, yes, we expect the delisting within a couple of years because of the concerns saying, hey, well, we want to have American officials review the auditor's work in China and sort of meeting and trying to trying to come to an agreement here. I'm not overly concerned about this. First of all, I already own, you know, my shares on the Hong Kong exchange. I'll talk about how I did that in just a second. But Alibaba is taking steps to say, look, even if that happens, they're going to make their primary listing in Hong Kong as well. Currently, New York the New York Stock Exchange is their primary listing with Hong Kong as their secondary secondary backup where Hong Kong is sort of the Hong Kong shares are fully fungible and can be replaced with the New York Stock Exchange shares. But what they're saying is, yeah, what we want to do is has the Hong Kong Exchange become our dual primary listed exchange. So that way, even if they're delisted, it's really not a big deal looking at what's going on with Alibaba. I personally use interactive brokers to make these international trades. I personally find it to be some platforms don't even allow it. And even though it's a little bit more of a complex platform for investors, for long term investors, I personally think they do have the investor at heart. I do leave a link to, you know, if you're interested in starting an interactive brokers account, that's what I personally use. There's a link in the description of this video. And as an example of how interactive brokers, you know, is generally favorable for investors, they do have the highest cash rates that you can get relative to many other different brokerages. So if you if you see an account where you're able to get better cash rates than what they're currently offering, which is, you know, a little shy of 2%, I'm, I'm curious to hear it. But with with higher Fed funds rate, I think shareholders should get you know that cash back. Uh, another key reason why Alibaba has come under pressure is that 
look, there's this continued like, hey, what's going to happen with their ant financial stake? And, you know, here it is just in the last day or so, Jack Ma announcing that he's planning to give up control of Ant Financial, which because of Chinese securities law could push out an Ant IPO because if you have a change of control, it forces them to say, hey, you can't IPO for a year. And so, hey, this means another delay in terms of value recognition for this key stake. Alibaba owns about a third of this business. And so saying, hey, Alibaba is not going to recognize that value in the near term. Now, management is continued to remain focused on really, I think, the key things that's going to drive Alibaba in the future. And Daniel Zhang, he put out his annual letter, you know, that he's the chairman, CEO, put out his annual letter just a few days ago, talking about three things, consumption, cloud and globalization. And, you know, really just on a high level perspective to understand here, I mean, Alibaba is servicing over 1 billion active consumers in China. So if you want to think that the average Chinese consumer, their average wealth will increase over time, that is going to flow arguably to Alibaba. And that's a billion of the, let's say, billion four in China. That's just an incredible sort of market share. So as you know, they continue as their general economy grows, that's a billion customers that should grow with them. So they should get at least GDP, China GDP, which might be three, 5% growth over time. That's just their core China. Maybe they can actually do, you know, as they've historically done, double GDP. So that's a nice core driver. Next aspect is they have this cloud business, which is number one in China, where management's calling out saying, look, despite the recent challenges that you've seen where they sort of lost one of their, you know, key customers, they still think the market is going to 3x in just the next few years by 2025. So that is continued hyper growth in one of their key businesses, which as I'm going to talk about later in this video, arguably you're not paying for at all looking at Alibaba. And the last component is globalization. China is, it used to be the United States, but with the hollowing, hollowing out of the US manufacturing sector, you know, China has become the number one trading partner with pretty much most countries in the world. And so as you expect more globalization, more trade to occur, companies like Alibaba that have both wholesale and consumer platforms should win out on that front as well. And they do have various different international marketplaces. And so I, I look at this and despite these concerns, you still have some mega growth drivers for Alibaba long term. So the question is, what happens to Alibaba stock from here? If you're looking for compelling investment ideas or want to take charge of your investment journey, consider unrivaledinvesting.com. Now, one key aspect to think about with all Chinese stocks is the recognition that Fed policy, their, their you know, central bank of China, as well as their, you know, effectively what their fiscal policies do play a role. And this plays a role with all business cycles, where if you start having some sort of contraction, do you have the fiscal policy and monetary policies to sort of step up and offset it? And that's typically what you see over, you know, and this is the reason why I love Ray Dalio's framework is you just see this play out over and over again. Oh, okay, there's this big debt problem. And how does it work out? Okay, so you start working through that debt and China does have a big, a sizable debt problem, primarily funded through their own banks. And so they're working through that. There's this big property crisis that's property bubble that's sort of deflating right now. How are they handling that? Well, you're going to need to see it sort of offset over time 
with both fiscal and monetary. And so I think that is the green light that you're going to need to see. And that's what caused a lot of these Chinese equities to rally over the last few months is you did start hearing about support saying, hey, we will do some mega initiatives, multi-trillion RNB initiatives. And here it is in the most recent you know, headlines sort of saying they're not really seeing it yet. The, there's no real big stimulus announced yet. So investors are starting to get a little impatient because this was expected several weeks ago and we're still not seeing that sort of dual cooperation from both a monetary and fiscal perspective in China that folks would say, hey, this is not only to offset a property crisis, but also to offset their extremely harsh COVID lockdowns that they still intermittently do. So I'd argue this is a key challenge to Chinese stocks until you start seeing that green light from a fiscal and monetary perspective. That said a lot, you know, let's see how their results look like, their June quarter results that will be coming out later next week. But looking at Alibaba, not, you know, from my perspective, when you're valuing a business based on the fundamentals, I'm not, it generally doesn't change dramatically quarter to quarter. Now, you know, sometimes you will see, you know, a change in what your growth rate will be. And so I look back at, you know, hey, there hasn't really been a big change since I last talked about them with their annual results. And just, you know, the, the key highlight from that last video, and I can leave a link for it, you know, in, in this video, which is that at the current price, you know, you're only really paying for their China commerce business, which has around 20 to 30% profit margins. And I already talked about how they're tapping into 1 billion consumers effectively. And you're paying 12 times real earnings from the segment and getting everything else thrown in for free. And so I look at not only the low valuation here, but sort of getting everything else for free here and just say, yeah, that's part of the reason why I continue to own Alibaba stock. And I do own sort of a basket of Chinese stocks. And I don't like seeing the major headlines of like, oh man, Nancy Pelosi might start a world war. Like that does not make me comfortable. I don't like seeing it, but I still own a small, it's around 3% position in Alibaba in my own personal diversified growth and value portfolio, partly because it's like, wow, this valuation is very compelling. I think I would personally consider adding potentially if I saw that you would start having, let's say more support from the CCP in the combination of fiscal and monetary policies that would broadly support, you know, the equity valuations. And you, you have seen more favorable shareholder behavior from Alibaba management with, you know, increasing their buyback. So I'm very curious to see how that buyback plays out in their upcoming quarter, which is once again, going to be released next week. So excited to look at it. I still own it. I, you know, yes, I look at this weakness, you know, in the share price where it's down 11% today. I, I, the way I view it is I view it in this sort of understanding these these risks, understanding these different components. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, which which of these, you know, how should I think about my China basket? How much exposure do I want to have of these different, you know, different China bets that I have? You know, keep in mind that my China basket's between 10 and 15 percent of my portfolio. So trying to figure out, you know, is is that appropriate amount? Should I maybe de-risk a bit given that you know, hey, there could be there could China could dramatically de-risk in the coming weeks. So that is, you know, something I consider for my own investment journey. Uh, it's not the majority of my portfolio. It's a section of it just because I think the valuations like I've called out here with Alibaba have become just so deeply discounted relative to many other companies. But we'll see how that plays out over time. If you have an opinion, would absolutely love to hear it in the comments below. If you enjoyed this video talking about Alibaba, the ticker is 9988 if you decide to buy it 
on the Hong Kong exchange. Once again, I personally use interactive brokers for my international trades where it's fairly easy to do your currency, you know, put the foreign currencies in your account and to buy foreign stock. I leave a link for that below in the description of this video. If you enjoyed this video, please make a point of hitting that thumbs up, hit that subscribe button. And thank you so much for watching Unrivaled Investing.